You're listening to the Saturday Morning RPG Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning RPG Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I always pronounce it Jorfton. Do you? That's incorrect. (laughs) Nobody, Nobody does that. Could we have um, Matt Mercer do a, a enunciation of your name for us that w- on the show? Uh, I could, yeah. Uh, oh, Indestructible is in chat. Hello, uh, Taryn. How nice Yay. to see you here. I haven't seen you here before. Um, welcome. Uh, Indestructible just launched a Kickstarter for uh, his system right. that he's working on. Yeah, um, yeah. Pretty exciting. Lots of new systems ever since the oh, the wow. OGL wars that happened. <laughs> we'll talk yeah, a little yeah, bit about April. that because. Uh, Cobalt Press just announced. I think it's not. Oh no, it's not Cobalt Press. Who's doing Project Black Flag? Yeah, that's Cobalt Press. So yeah, they Cobalt they Press. did uh, Tales of Valiant. We'll talk about that in a little bit too. Um, but uh, how are you? How's how's it going, Mister Lucian? Really good. It's finally. Uh, <clears throat> most of you know I'm in the, the the Michigan lands, and we have been kind of cold and rainy, cold and snowy all up and through right up into April. But this week is the first week that we're going to feel almost like summer-like temperatures. And I'm super excited about that because I'm ready for summer. I've been ready for summer since December. But <laughs> so yeah. I just want to be outside doing things in the sunshine. And we're finally really going to get to do it. So I'm ex- super excited. Nice. Oh, one thing we're planning. Here's something. I even put it in the notes. We are planning, check this out, in check May it. coming up, we're doing a camping trip. But it's called a board game camping trip. What? Where the guys were picking a campground. We're bringing all of us are bringing one board game that we bought and never got to play with anybody. <laughs> we're going to bring it. And over that weekend, we're going to play those board games. It's going to be a board game camping trip. I am all about that. That would be so cool. <laughs> I like I hope, this. Yeah, I hope it goes great. There's like, certain it's, games it's just... that'll work better for camping, sure. I think. But like like you probably don't want to bring like uh Imperial Imperium or Twilight Imperium. I think something. somebody is. is but, yeah. <laughs> I mean maybe I guess yeah. We're I guess a if big you table, it depends on the campsite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah we're we're com- we know how to camp because we were we were a medieval camping group, oh, so we okay. all had medieval tents and pavilions and things to set up. So we know how to <laughs> to think about of an event and say, hey, we need a lot of space and a lot of things to do stuff and be ready for rain or wind or all this stuff. And so this is the type of group that's going to be going. So when they show up, they're going to be like, it's going to be like glamping maybe is better. Okay. And, and an example, somebody's going to have their camper trailer with them. You know, we're going to have big awnings. We're going to just have the full, the yeah. full boat. So. I, ugh. I just have been pseudo glamping. We stayed at an Airbnb because we, they turned the water off at our house. You can see all the construction. I tried to hide it with this <laughs> precious little box, but it's not working. Um, but yeah, uh, I just want to be back in my house. So, um, well, first of all, I want to talk about uh, uh, Gr- Gr- Grenar uh, has has patiently been waiting for us. He asked a question and nobody really realized. Um, he wants to know, mm-hmm. how do you pronounce uh, again? And I guess that is the answer. We looked at D and D Beyond. There's the answer. <laughs> the D and D Beyond. Uh, Matt Mercer says Sahuagin on D and D Beyond. I've always said Sahagwin, and I'm realizing that's probably wrong. But I still like saying Sahagwin. So it's kind of like I always like the yeah. Gwen at the end too, like yeah. a, almost like a G W E N kind of Gwen. I yeah. always did that 
when I said that word too, because I didn't say it right until I looked it up. Well, and I, don't, I would argue there is no right way. I think a lot of, like, I take the Chris Perkins approach where they're like, I don't know, who cares? Like, do that. And in the age of the internet, it's kind of frustrating to be like, well, why do you say sigil when it's sigil? And it's, you know, yeah. like, it can be this frustrating thing when we, like, we want to talk about the same thing and have the same verbiage. But, but I also remember, like, playing Final Fantasy for years and meeting people, and they're like, you call a freak it and i'm like what you know it's just kind of weird <laughs> things where everyone had their own interpretation of some of those uh uh non-english or not i shouldn't say non-english but just like obscure words you know like didn't come wait with the main character was clud right yeah it was clud yeah You're right. he, he had he <laughs> had uh the the, the big the, sword yeah i was trying to make I was trying to say Buster in a in a way that's funny, like the the Buster sword. You know, he had that big Buster. one, um, and yeah. he and it fought s s words out because it was an s word weapon. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so right. I don't know, uh, but yeah, I I think you could just kind of do things, but I say uh, Sahuquin. So you just um, Afrit is Eric. Okay, yes, totally, I'm sorry. Totally off topic Thank now. You. you just said S class, and that made me think of all these games I've been playing that are. Eastern inspired, Japanese, Korean inspired games. Why are weapons A class, B class, C class, but S class is above that? How does S get above ABC? Huh? Where does this come from? I think S stands for super. So it's one of the it's a it's a Japanese origin, I believe. But it's this idea of like, well, here you have like here's the best of the best, or here's you know let's rank them. But then S tier super is like always wetter, you know, and now we already, so yeah. I say super as Riss says S is special. So it's always special. like, yeah, but you're right. I don't know. Then it's like, double S. And then when they really want to get you yeah. like, Oh no, but you got to get the triple S. One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, CPG gray just came out where he ranked the United States flags. It's a great video. If you're, if you're into flags, I like flags. If you're into, yeah, into flags, anyway, it was a great video because most of the flags in the United States are terrible, like state flags. Um, state flags, yeah. uh, They're designed poorly. They're awful. They're totally a second thought kind of a thing. And he does, you know, S and then A, B, C, D, F. But then he was like, but we have to do a separate tier where it's like, you'll be S, F or S, A because he... Every every flag he ranks as an F, but then he wanted to rank those in how good they are. I don't know. It was just funny. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> um, All right. Weird tangent done. Sorry. Tangent Sorry. done. <laughs> Let's talk about the D&D Creator Summit. Uh, this was... The one we didn't go to. Yes. Just so Yeah, you know, it, it was weird. Like, uh, like, I wasn't invited. I have never been on Wizards of the Coast Radar. And then I was like, okay, doesn't surprise me that I'm not invited. But then I was like, oh, I didn't even get invited to the virtual one. And I was like, oh, that's kind of sad, virtual. too. Anybody um, can be invited. Because I was like, yeah. it's a Zoom link. Give it to people. But it reaffirms that I am not on their radar in the slightest. Like I've reached out for mm-hmm. press things, you know, like Ted gets the books and stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, other people get the books. No, 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 not one. Now one fun. Uh, he's been getting books and stuff like that. And I'm like, how do you do this? They're like, I just reached out via this email. They yeah, will they, not return yeah. anything from me. Uh, so I'm kind of like, that's fine. Beetle and Beetle and Grimm on the other hand, uh, whoever runs their social media thinks I'm awesome. And I now think that yes. guy is awesome. <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. they, I, oh, I don't even have it, but they, they just released a DMs, uh, game masters journal. 
and mm -hmm. uh they sent me a copy and i'm gonna make a, a quick like short about it at some point but boy it's really cool it's this really nice journal and it's got like session zero and it walks you through like let's create a whole campaign and then you kind of fill in what happens like beetle and grim you're making good products uh um, they make quality good yeah. stuff yeah, so yeah. you know i've never gotten anything from wizards of the coast uh whiz mm -hmm. kids has sent me a few things and then now beetle and the grims but anyway uh there was a little of like frustration i think from the community of like why wasn't i invited and blah 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 and then that turned into anger of like well you're just a shill and you're doing whatever watsy wants you to do i know for a fact that that is the furthest from the truth a lot of these people <laughs> yeah, love D, &D <laughs> and they want yeah, yeah. to uh they wanted to go you know it's like i mean if watsy paid for me to go and help understand and kind of form this game that you love and this hobby because like mm -hmm. it or not they are the the entry point for i want to say 99 percent of role play uh, rpg gamers like the people that mm -hmm. love tabletop role playing games everybody knows about D D. at one point you've played it maybe it's not the game for you but like i don't think there's people out there that are like what dungeons and dragons i've only played star wars west end games d6 like it doesn't mm -hmm. happen you know so i i think it was uh I think it was awesome that they got to go. I think it was really cool. And uh, I'm looking forward to some of the videos that are going to come out in the next week of their recaps and stuff. But from what I know so mm -hmm. far, I, we just wanted to do some of the highlights that we learned. Yeah. Which was uh, Planescape is coming out. We knew that. And it's yeah. going to be a box set like Spelljammer, which I'm not thrilled about. Uh, but we'll see. Um, and it could be good if it's like the adventure for the DM is a book, but then... The other two books are the ones you can pass around to the players because it has items or magic stuff or mm -hmm. player stuff or things that they can see. I like those types of box sets versus, you know, the Spelljammer one was not really. Well, that that's way. the thing. And and I think that's why yeah. I'm worried, because Spelljammer was uh, annoying, annoyingly bad. Um, and it, it wasn't annoyingly you bad said. because it was a, a box set. So I'm kind of like, I think I'm fine with that. But the fact that they're still going that route of like, oh, hey, we could and, and maybe it'll all change. But the idea of like, here's the adventure, here's the player options and here's the DM slash monster book. Uh, I like mm -hmm. that. That's cool because you can pass it around. Um, but there's a part of me that really just wants it as one book, I guess. And maybe I don't know. I was thinking about this with Old School Essentials because Old School Essentials mm -hmm. came out with here's the referee tome and here's the player's tome and it's two books and it's the entire game and I love it. But they also came out with a box set of like, here's six to eight different books. Like, oh, you need Druid spells. Here's the Druid spell book. So again, at the table, kind of cool to be like, oh, you're playing a cleric. Here's, this, here's magic. Here's this. You can kind of hang it around. Um, and then I've been reading my uh, Dying Earth stuff and yes the dying earth box set is also a box set and i i'm like oh yeah uh oh this references the other book and i put that down and i get the other one and i'm reading through it because it is it's like player options but magic's in a separate book I and mean, this is over here i <laughs> i also wish the dying earth was just one book and that the adventures the actual adventures were just separate little books but um i think they're i don't know why they do that i think they're going for a nostalgia thing or maybe it's easier to print it can't be Three books versus one. That box can't be, sets like, got to be a nostalgia thing because it used to be on the bookshelves and it was like a special edition 
way. And I do think it was like kind of a money thing for companies to say, well, we know people like this. So we're going to create a special edition with maybe cooler covers. And it's in a box set that's cool if you're really into the game. But if you just want the one book, you can buy it over here for this price. You know, so they were like offering both because they knew there's that group of people that will spend money no matter what it is, if, if they love it, right? If I love it, I will spend thousands of dollars on this thing no matter what it is. And I think I remember just special edition box sets were just more popular when things were on shelves that you would go and look at and say, like, you can get the normal one, but, hey, look at this special edition one that you could also get. You're like, well, oh, I want that one. Exactly. And going back to Beetle and Grimm's, I feel like they're doing the box sets right because Dragonlance, it's a book, but you don't get that book when you buy the Beetle and Grimm Dragonlance box set. You get the pamphlets that they cut up the book and they create individual books. I think books. they're like a loot and crate so, more than I think of them as a box set. Yeah, I guess Beetle you're right. Because you get Beetle like Grimm's lots like of extra stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I like. Um, and so I guess my point was is that you could, if you want that luxury kind of feel, like they kind of already do that, so... I don't know, um, but it's going to be a box set. We'll <laughs> we'll see if we'll see how they handle it, uh, because yeah. Spelljammer was was a letdown, um, but I, it wasn't a letdown because it was a box set. It was just a letdown. No. So, yeah. um, the big news out of a lot of this is a lot of people, or they were saying, Wizards of the Coast was saying that one D and D will basically just be five E. They're not going to change a bunch of stuff. They're they're not trying to give it a new name. And there was a lot of people back and forth that said, well, uh, what are we supposed to call it? Like, what? Like, one D&D is the playtest. Are you going to call it D&D 5.5, D&D 6E? And I don't think people realize that, like, Wizards never called it 5E. Like, in 2014, when it was released, they avidly wanted you to call it D&D. That's it. They don't want a number on it. They didn't want all this other stuff. But it's the fans who are like, oh, are we playing D&D? And you're like, yeah, I've only ever played, you know, third edition. Oh, well, we're playing fifth edition because it's not like fourth edition. It's really different. And you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. And so I, my logic was whenever one D&D was re- will be released, the fans will say, hey, we're playing D&D. And they're like, oh, I've only ever played 5e. Are you playing the new one? Yeah, it's kind of like 5e, but has some minor tweaks. It's like 5.5. And so then as Mm -hmm. a whole, the community would call it 5.5. Or it would be so different that we would call it 6 edition. Um, So it's weird that we're arguing about who, what should we call it when I'm like, it'll naturally figure itself out, guys. Like we don't... And it's a unique problem with Dungeons & Dragons because the there are popular groups that still play certain versions. So when you play Dungeons and Dragons or you're going to say you're going to sign up for a group at a comic book store or a a library or whatever, you kind of have to know what version are they playing because third edition is still, there's a popular community out there. You could be signing up for a third edition game. You could be signing up fourth edition, not so much, but there is still a community playing some fourth edition. You might get into a fourth edition game and not realize it. And then obviously Dungeons and Dragons now is mostly the fifth edition. So it, it's unique, I think, in the, in that their old versions are still super popular. So what do you do when your old version is still popular? You still have a big group of people playing it and right. you've got your new version, which is definitely different. Um, so it's like, what do you do? But it, they seem adamant not to name 
or, or they definitely did not want 6e they definitely did not want 1d and d even though they're the ones that kind of came up with the well, 1D that's the, it's for the, the code test, name. yeah for the play test yeah, yeah the code name. just like D next but, was the code name for 5e but like yeah. i guess and that's I my they point 5.5 they never liked the they didn't i don't like 3.5 i don't think they want yeah i don't think they like 3.5 either i didn't like, like yeah and so uh it what it really and this all also probably stems from advanced dungeons and dragons and then advanced dungeons and dragons second edition basic and expert yeah they they, they caused this problem in the yeah <laughs> tsr caused this back in the day uh yeah, yeah, so yeah. i i but the fans will decide and i think we need yeah. to not like it'll it'll work itself out if it is truly 100% backwards compatible then maybe we will just call it 5e forever i think now Wizards of the Coast wants us to call it 5e forever so that everything is under a 5e brand and it's not like well I'm not going to buy that 5e stuff because uh thinks I think I think my construction people are here. I just heard the door. Hey, so doorbell. Yeah. Riff you for a little bit if you me? don't mind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, welcome to the solo show of Solution. So um yeah, so kind of going on that a little bit too is that I know, or it seems like they don't really want to change that name, but in your branding is so strong. Kickstarters are doing it, 5E's, the description of the, the actual name that everybody's using, and it falls under their license, so they don't have to create that anymore and get away from that kind of fiasco that they released on everybody. Um, so it kind of makes sense to me. I think everybody, every company goes through that idea of, we no longer, my company right now, the one I work at, is also doing this with their software. We own a lot of software, and they have a lot of these different names that used to be back in the day. It was common to say, oh, our, our software is named Infinity, or our software is named The Horizon, or nothing that describes what it does, but really just these kind of out there names. But now they're all coming back to just name it what it does. So then, the, you know, what is this game? It's just Dungeons & Dragons. So just name it Dungeons & Dragons. That's what they want. And they always fight that versus giving it some other kind of name but they go through these kind of um cycles of marketing and this feels like marketing executives coming in and wanting to do something with it but it's a community and a client base that resists that so yeah. i don't think they're going to have much traction <laughs> and in the end i think we'll just call it five or D D two you know or just not dungeons and D &D dash two we'll just call it dungeons and dragons so i i don't know yeah. but uh you're right when you start going to um cons or working with people like there's still a lot of people that play 3.5 and like it you know and when yeah. i started dnd fourth edition was out and i didn't understand that it was like it was different games i thought it was just an evolution of the rule set and so mm -hmm. there was a lot of like well are we uh and so we started playing dnd and we were playing ad and second edition and i'm like but this is two, like, I know that there's a four out and they're like, oh, well, we don't touch that. It's like, but you don't, you don't understand at the time. So anyway, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, my construction guy's here. I'm going to have hot water today. Very excited. Yay. It's going to be great. <laughs> uh, so, but the point is, I guess, is that they just want it to be called D&D. I think Wizards has always wanted that, uh, but they will not get that. The fans will decide. That was my point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're going to do more creator summits, they say. Um, judging by how this one went, and we'll, again, we'll find out more info as it comes out. I don't think it went exactly how they wanted, which could mean 
either more creator summits or less. It could be less of like, I don't think this is going to work out because content creators are not going to do, they're not going to play the rules that we want them to play, or they're not part of like the big corporate machine. I should say that. Like there's a lot of like, you work with other companies and it's like, you're a big corporate machine. I'm a big corporate machine. And we kind of work together because we speak the same language. But you go to like YouTubers and independent publishers and stuff. And they're just like, I'm just a guy. I don't know. I don't think I want to, you know, like I'm just a person. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm curious if they look at this as saying, wow, our approach was not the best in this situation. We need to go back and refine it for when we invite people again, or uh, if they're just going to be turned off from creator summits. But I am very jealous of all the people that got to meet Chris Perkins because he's my hero. So. <laughs> um, and then the new VTT was shown off to them. And Jeremy from, Crawford's my hero. So oh, there you go. I, I like See? Chris Perkins, but I'm, I'm a got, Jeremy. Everyone's Crawford. got a hero. Some people have the I wrong know. hero, but it's you. Um, <laughs> or, uh, or Jerry yeah. Holkins. So I think yeah. Jerry Holkins is, you know. You're just the Jerry's in general. So. The oh, no. Jerry's. <laughs> I meant Jerry Jerry's. and Jeremy. I'm getting them confused. That was dumb. Dumb joke. <laughs> Let's all go back in time five seconds and pretend it didn't happen. Um, yes. The cool thing about the people that went to the Creator Summit is I think they're getting early access to the VTT, which will be interesting moving forward mm -hmm. to see how its evolution and changes. Uh, yeah. As far as like a 3D kind of video game version of the VTT, you saw the D&D Direct stuff. What did you... Mm -hmm. How do you... Do you think you jump on board with something like this? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. What is the draw I'm for a, you? Now, I'm a Roll20 super fan. Um, all of the online gaming I do is with Roll20. Correct. If anybody asks me about a VTT, I always recommend Roll20. I know there are other ones out there, but I love the ease of use and setting a game up and even testing games in Roll20 and being able to run a game in Roll20 is awesome. So this is all coming from super fan Roll20. The one thing I don't have in Roll20 is the feeling of moving a miniature on a table board, which gets me just a tiny bit closer to being like I'm at the table again. Because I can't play most of my games because of the people I play with are in different states. The reality of being able to get to play at a table with people using Forge um, tiles and, and all that stuff, and then your painted miniatures from Hero Forge and playing in that style, I just don't get that. So the only way I'm going to get it is digitally. And then if you're going to try that, you're looking at something like, um, uh, I think it's like Board Game Simulator can do a little bit of that. And there's another one. But it's like moving miniatures around on a cool terrain set that's very tactical. I love, love, love that. I don't so, think anybody needs it if you're doing theater of the mind. But if well, you love a tactical Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I would actually argue, I think it's more, I think it's less for the tactical side. I think Roll20 is better for tactical because it's that top-down view. I get to see exact, like I get to see the whole board, whereas I think this is going to be more for story. And the reason I say that is uh, Kugo the Mighty, I was in a game that he ran, an Eberron game, and the finale fight, he built everything in Tailspire, which looks almost identical to what I saw with the VTT from Wizards of the Coast. And so mm -hmm. we were in there. We didn't have control of stuff because Kugo built it. So he was like, where do you want to go? And he kind of moved us around. But it was this like top-down third-person perspective of our characters. And we're trudging through a forest. And we look over an airship. It's on fire. We get on the deck. There's a monster. We have a big fight. There wasn't the cool spell animations. But it was... It was... Uh, 
mind-blowing. Like, I was like, I've never played D&D like this. This is so cool. Mm -hmm. um, but for, I, and the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is like, I know you love Roll20, but I also know you love the tactics of it. And I don't think this will be the same tactic level. I think you will get the, wow, that fireball looks pretty. Or, oh my gosh, magic missile does this. That's so cool. And I'm wondering if it'll translate into people building modules, uh, like specific adventures, not unlike oh, yeah. the Neverwinter. Uh, Neverwinter Nights had a huge online fan base of people building little things using that toolkit. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone actually ran their D&D game with it, but they did run solo adventures that you could then play through. And I have a feeling that this VTT will be similar. I I think it'll wow us in the beginning. And then I was wondering if it would actually uh, translate to, I don't know, like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm, I, I want to, I'm curious, but yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be the, the logical step of, oh, I play on Twitch with my friends and now we're all going to play on this VTT. I think there will still be a place for Albert Rodeo um, and things like that. Sure. So, yeah, uh, there there's something to be said with being able to see the 3D representation of the world, though, that brings yeah. you to something you don't get with the 2D representation. And the very first thing that when Lucian gets his hands on this tool set is he's going to build Temple of Elemental Evil square for square five foot square for five foot square i mean tomb of horrors in a 3d <laughs> environment would be pretty fast too yeah yeah so and if they can do the thing where you can only see what your character would see which is one of the things that is really cool about um a lot of the vtts these days you have um fog of war where they can't see stuff which makes roll 20 really fun but I also think that if you can only see what's in the room or you can only see what's, you know, not behind something so you don't see that token there unless you have line of sight, that yeah. would really make it cool. But there's something about the Hero Forge minis and having miniatures that I still connect with. I'm still a big gamer of tabletop war games like Warhammer and Warhammer 40K, that kind of stuff, those kinds of battles. And I still love the idea. And if they're smart, they'll put in a painting miniature you can paint your own miniature tool in there so that you could have the little 3d model of your character and you could paint their cloak red and you could paint their sword silver and if you could do that in game because uh brandon sanderson is is part of a game that lets you do that now and it's more of a tactical turn-based game but you get to paint your miniatures that you're playing with mm -hmm. and it's blowing up because people love the idea of being able to paint their own miniatures. And I think if you can bring that into, if they brought that into this virtual tabletop for Dungeons and Dragons. So now you get the rule set is there. You get a 3d representation. You can paint those things in a nice, easy, fun way. You've got a lot of hobbyists that can jump in on that yeah. and do a lot of different things with just bringing that on bringing that live so i think it's cool there are plenty of vtt's out there there's new ones every year we've saw alchemy is out now and you know all these other ones are are pushing what they can do because the competition's gotten so fierce that they all have to have these cool features which just makes it great for us who want to run these games um i'm excited for it i want it for sure and ultimately i think it'll come down to what what are you what are you mostly playing 
And what resources are you investing into it? Because I, I bet there's a lot of Roll20 people that are like, I have all the books in Roll20. I have all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been playing. There was a Steam sale for, uh, oh, what is it called? That's on the tip of my brain. Uh, Fantasy Grounds. There was a Steam sale for Fantasy Grounds, and oh, I yeah. bought that. And so I've been playing around with Fantasy Grounds, and I was like, I really like it. I think it's kind of cool. Um, but you have to buy books, you know, D and D or yeah. DCC or things like that. And so it's like, well, if I mostly play this and I'm already kind of involved in this, you know, and, uh, D and D beyond it's, if they just integrate everything with D and D beyond, I bet a lot of people already have the books on D and D beyond. And so it would be a logical transition. So, uh, and I think that's mm-hmm. what they're betting on. So we'll see. But. Yeah, I've spent Storm King's Thunder. I spent forty bucks buying it when it first came out for Roll Twenty, so I have that module. I bought a couple of uh, Pathfinder modules that I want to run on there, and then mm-hmm. so I'm always going to be a Roll Twenty fan, just because, like you just said, I've already put fifty, sixty bucks, and I pay a monthly fee so I can host all the games. I can have, you know, I don't think it's unlimited, but it's like unlimited number of games that I can host for people to play as a dungeon master. And so I'm paying a monthly service for that. So yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm the perfect uh, target for these types of things uh, for Dungeons and Dragons VTT to say, I don't even pay the D&D Beyond one because I'm paying the Roll20 one. I always weigh which one's more important to me and Roll20 still comes up because I have all my modules yeah. and stuff there. It's actually a little interesting if they repurpose a lot of the, uh, what's the word? If they repurpose... If if going back to our conversation, like if it's going to be five point five and I actually have to buy new books in order to play this updated mm-hmm. version of fifth edition, that is going to also be a tipping point where it's like, well, if I have to rebuy the books, I might as well do it on this new platform as opposed to if I can already use my fifth edition material, I'm gonna stay on roll twenty, you know? And so we'll we'll see. I don't know. Well in Pathfinder it is partnered with nexus and nexus yeah. was the group of people that did D beyond before they moved on so that's a, that's another competitor that is almost i know they're in deep you know um development right now but i'm thinking we should be seeing some stuff before the end of the year that's going to make them a real yeah. competitor too and i mean i think uh 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 andrew adam bramford i was like andrew adam bramford yeah, adam. uh Adam has created, I mean, D&D Beyond, he, he did a really good job of building that and creating it. And I think Critical Role was also a big part of that. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I have high hopes for Nexus. I think it'll be really interesting. So um, speaking of Paizo, you were mentioning earlier, the Orc license came out. Um, this mm-hmm. is a draft. So they want feedback on like what it should look like, but this is the one that they're gonna they're gonna create and they're gonna put it into Creative Commons. I think, or no, they're gonna create a, a LLC that is in charge of this, like a nonprofit, so that it is out of the hands of Paizo. Because unlike the original OGL license that is uh, Wizards of the Coast, they own the license, so hypothetically they could change it. This one will not be able to be changed. Uh, much like Creative Commons, because Creative Commons is its, its own LLC that it kind of just stays there legally through the legal things. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't read through this, but I, I wanted to bring it up because I think it's a big slap in the face to Wizards of the Coast because it it blatantly says draft only feedback requested all over this. Like it's a watermark. It's at the top. It's all over. 
Um, and for Wizards of the Coast to be able to, like, they were like, no, 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 the, the, the leaked one that you saw was only a draft. And it's like, well, why didn't you put the word draft on it? Or, like, not an actual license or feedback requested. And I feel like Paizo is um, throwing some shade at Wizards by doing that. Uh, maybe not. Maybe it's just me, but <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. Um, basic, and role- this is the license, so it's not the game engine itself, Correct. but it's the it's the license to right. So it's the license to say I want to use these mechanics in my game. You know, much like mm-hmm. I want to use these third edition mechanics in my game X, Y, and Z. Uh, so there's that. Yeah. So, um, and then they also came out with something else. Uh, it's on the website, um, but it's the the Orc AXE, the Axe. And I thought this was probably, oh, answers and explanations. Okay, never mind. I thought this was going to be more of the gameplay, but I think I think this is just the license they want to use going forward. Um, but mm-hmm. within Creative Commons, I don't know if we really need to anymore. You know, it's kind of interesting to think about that. Uh, it's probably yeah, so still the, good the in the game, long run. I think they're gonna, yeah. So oh, I'm trying to thinking. think of all the people that are using it because I saw a couple of other posts that they were using the Orc license in some other areas. I think even Chaosism was one of the Chaosium, something. Like yeah, that. and it might be they, like they're, they're putting their their engines or their game systems under the Orc license, right? So it's right. like, and that means then you can use their game system, but it's under the orc license gives you the permission to do that correct yeah and so the original ogl was just a hey things that have been submitted as open game content or whatever it was called uh that you could then pull from those pieces and also say but here are the things that are distinct to my game that i want you to not be part of the uh ogl and so mm-hmm. uh, it was It was really just an understanding. I guess we're going back into topics from January, but um, it really was yeah. just a, hey, we're not going to sue you because we can't really copyright a dice roll. So here's our way of saying we're not going to do that. Um, and then when they came out with the OGL 2.0, it was like, ah, so really Paizo is just trying to say we're going to honor the original agreement that Wizards dishonored, so... Dishonor yeah. upon your and house. It makes us, we're, we're bringing it up mostly just because a lot of things were getting released, which were the results of us talking about, or not us talking about, but the yeah. community talking about that. Just like this one with um, Tales of Valiant is a Kickstarter that's coming from Cobalt Press, which we knew as the Black, the, the Project Black Flag. Correct. But it's under the core fantasy rules open license, but then the thing they're creating using the license is Tales of Valiant. Yeah. So, you're getting the license, but you're also getting something created under that. So that's the example of it's really two things happening there that that are working together. If, yeah. If it's all so happening. so core fantasy <laughs> role playing will be some could be something that you put into the orc, I think. Um, yeah. But Tales of Valiant will not necessarily be in there. It will be Tales of Valiant is their spin on it. And that mm-hmm. one's kind of unique because they're all building off of the Creative Commons Foundation of Fifth Edition. Uh, but yeah. yeah. So, so that uh, Kickstarter comes in interesting stuff. I just wanted, that was a, yeah. a D20 system. But then the other one that I saw was the Chaos, Chaosium. Chaosium. Has yeah. the, they on Drive Through RPG right now, you can buy their basic role playing universal game engine, which is 
a D100 system. And I think they reference the ORC license in their thing too. Oh, so really? okay. it's like all these different people are kind of referencing all these different open licenses that they're releasing these games under and encouraging you to say, hey, you can buy our our game engine, thinking of 5e as an engine or mm -hmm. these other systems as an engine to build your own game so that you can then publish it or do a Kickstarter on it. And it's based on this and it's all okay for you to do that kind of thing. And then it was, I, th I feel like there was, it is those were the, the three license. that I saw. Yeah. They're releasing yeah. the update under uh, the orc license. So that's cool. So basic role play, yeah. which is D100 roll under. Um, and this is a updated version of it. I've never played uh, this universal system, so. But it sounds like yeah. it's used with uh, Call of Cthulhu a lot, so. Which is super popular. Oh, we and RuneQuest. At some point. You know, I have yeah. a I have a a, a box set that <laughs> a fan bought me, and I really should play it. Yeah. Um, I read through it. It was it's a fun game, and then I bought the the older version uh, on a Kickstarter. They did a reprint of like the old nineteen eighties. Sandy Peterson Call of Cthulhu mm -hmm. that I picked up. And I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, basic role playing, Tales of Valiant, another Kickstarter coming in May. Uh, Cold Press always does really good, so I'm sure we'll see a lot of that. Uh, quick, quick shout out there's a 13th Age Humble Bundle. 13th Age is a phenomenal RPG that I have yet to play, but I had a lot of friends that uh, somebody ran them through it, and then that friend moved away, and they keep talking about this 13th Age game that I wasn't a part of, and I'm a little jealous that I didn't get to play it with them. <laughs> um, but, boy, it's like $18 or something for 28 PDFs. Uh, yeah, $18 for 28 PDFs. Or you can just do, like, a dollar and get... Um, quick start rules and stuff like that. So uh, that's over on Humble Bundle. I'll put a link in the show notes and the comment, uh, or, and I'll put it in the thing down below here too. Um, and then uh, talk to me about Carbon Gray. What is this? Yeah, I just, it just popped up out of I nowhere. I was definitely read through the through entire things. quick start rules this morning. Very intrigued <laughs> yes. by this. <laughs> because one, what popped out to me, the word that got me was diesel punk, right? And yeah. I was just scrolling through something and diesel punk popped out me. I thought, oh, wait a minute here. Steampunk's kind of cool. I get it. I'm not necessarily a person that goes to the steampunk things or has been very steampunky, but I understand it. I, I get the aesthetic to it. But then I saw the word diesel punk and I thought, wait a minute, is this really the group I need to be a part of? Because that just sounds cool. And I started looking at all the artwork and then I saw that it was a D6 system. So that immediately yeah. brought up flags to say, hey, I should send this over to Jordan because I know he's building D6 systems left and right. And you were just you just redid a bunch on your D6 system that you were doing your modular D6. So it was yeah. like. We're always tweaking and playing around with D6 mechanics I just love it. to see yeah. possible, you know? And I thought, oh, I'm going to put this one up. So I don't know much more about except what we read. I think the artwork looks great. It it looks like it's a... Well, first of all, let's know, talk about what it is. So uh, gray. this yeah, is called, this is uh, yeah, um, Carbon Gray. And mm -hmm. it's a uh, comic book graphic novel of the same name that they're adapting into a... Uh, role-playing game so it's the and then diesel punk really it feels mad max like it's kind of this post-apocalyptic yeah. relying on fossil fuels lots of grimy dirty people or, with pistols and things like that yeah i would say like um um steampunk is like victorian age yes. meets stuff 
this feels like World War II age meets stuff, diesel punk, or World War One, like past the Victorian age. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Because, like, some planes I'm looking in here look like old World War II yeah. planes, but they're slightly modified in a different way. And I'm just like, there's zeppelins and stuff going on in this stuff that's really cool, but it's more, more themed. World War One like, is a really good comparison, yeah. But, yeah. like, also weird technology. So, lots of, lots of guns. Mm -hmm. There's lots of guns in this game. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's a D, it's the D6 system by West End Games, um, commonly known as Open D6 now. They have mm -hmm. uh, modified it to be the D6 DF, DV? Yeah, D, D6MV system is what they're MV. calling it. Yeah, MV. Um, which stands for magnetic version because they are magnetic press. And I, I went through magnetic mm -hmm. press. I was trying to find other games that they've made. This might be their... This is the first one I've ever heard of. So, but uh, yeah, I hadn't heard of them before. But they have quick start rules that you can download. And mm -hmm. um, reading through the quick start rules, uh, I own the Open D six. Uh, well, the PDFs. I don't have physical books because I, I think you can do print on demand, but they're 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 out of print. But Western Games was really cool. Before they went under, <laughs> they said, "Let's just mm -hmm. give away this rule set." So they 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 just put it out there, and it's free, and it's open to use, and it's awesome um these quick start rules explain i didn't see a lot of differences with uh the open d6 system from west end games and this one which is fine because they're just modifying it and they're also like it's the it's the d6 system by west end games uh they do an excellent job of explaining it i can't tell you how often i've gotten confused reading the original pdfs from west end games <laughs> and how i'm like i don't really understand how this works are you serious that i have like a 34 to hit sometimes like it doesn't make any sense uh they did a great job they're like here's this here's your static defense here's that and they they streamline it to a very understandable level um yeah. and the quick and start the PDF is free, so you can pick it up yeah the blurb i saw is that they wanted to use west end games d6 system but they wanted to take it back to the original version of the d6 system because west end games had a couple of different versions yeah. but then they wanted to streamline it and make yep. it easier to understand yeah. but still paying homage to the first d6 version system that yeah. west end games had played so and from what i've like read back I, to that original and streamlining it. yeah from what i read i think they exactly did that like it's very, awesome. very, uh, it's easy. It's a lot easier to pick up and understand. And they even have little references where they're like, if you've played Star Wars D6, then you'll recognize this, but we've kind of adapted it and streamlined it to be this. So uh, yeah, carbon gray and the art looks really cool. It's very, um, it's kind of got like an anime vibe to it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. So I- Very stylized, yeah. very cool. So I I want to check this out. Um, and I, I guess I have my eye on it. I will say that diesel punk is not like my entire cup of tea and the quick start rules don't go into any of the supernatural abilities you have. So mm -hmm. for reference in star Wars D six, you had all of your, here's what we can do as star Wars people. But then there was a secret stat of like force and how force sensitive you were. This game also has a secret stat. I forget what they call it. Um, but it's it's basically anything that's going to be supernatural, like magic, telekinetic powers, the occult, things like that. So you could get like a Hellboy kind of scenario, like you're, you know, fighting Nazis in your plane, but you actually have something on your side that's going to help you. Uh, and characters that unlock that have some extra cool potential and stuff. So 
kind of and i see a little blurb here that says carbon gray is the first of many tabletop games to be released by magnetic press play so this obviously is the first one why you didn't find any and it sounds like maybe they have plans for more yeah well if you go to their homepage, they actually they have like my friend toby graphic novel like they have a lot of stuff but i think it's I haven't yeah, seen Kennedy a lot of games. Dark Horse Comics, DC Comics, Marvel Comics. They've got a lot of comic book. A lot of these are comic books, yeah. Because Lupin yeah. the Third, Fifty Years of Lupin the Third. I don't know, like, uh, but I, I think this might be their first, not first foray, I should say, but like, they're they're making games. That's cool. That's um, cool. I, I could yeah. see the comic book industry using their artists and their writers to say, "Hey, we could make some tabletop game." product yeah. stuff too because look how good we are at making comic books <laughs> well and if you have the layouts and stuff yeah you're you're right there yeah. and then the open d6 system it's an it, it's free like i'm sure they're just yeah. like why don't we try it so and it's a good system like i i like the d6 i mean obviously i have a secret love of d6 systems so um very cool anyway so uh thank you for sharing that with me because i thought that was really neat yeah but yeah so <laughs> uh what's going on with cj you're excited so about this. Cloudbreaker Alliance is in their play test. Started this last week. I went through the some of the play test rules, which are cool. Um, I really enjoy kind of looking at these new systems so far. And I made a character just to see how long it would take me. It took me about 30 minutes to make the first character. Level one character. I made an Oni that is part of the brute um, discipline. And then you pick a your class is Spartan out of that. So it's like these disciplines. And then there's a two classes that are underneath that. And so as you level up, you might get some discipline abilities that, that anybody in the discipline gets, but then you also have class abilities that you get only if you're in that class, almost like, you know, like in Dungeons and Dragons, where when your subclass is like at third level, you get some subclass stuff, but then at fourth level, it's regular cleric stuff. But then at sixth level, you get some subclass stuff. Yeah. And then it's regular, you know, kind of similar to that in some ways. And I want to say Cloudbreaker Alliance, this is a role-playing game that's playtesting by the Don't Stop Thinking YouTube YouTube channel. He's been on your show or this show. Yeah. Um, His name's CJ and he's really cool. And uh, yeah, he just has a passion of RPGs. And so he's like, I want to make my own. And it looks very anime and uh, inspired. Yeah. Asian influenced which a lot of yeah. like like monsters and stuff so it looks really yeah cool. when i when i talked to him when we did the interview he was living in australia um but he's really heavy into understanding japanese rpgs and and even chinese culture he's done a lot of videos on chinese history and chinese stuff so if you see his videos and he does all this really cool animated video stuff so that's why i always watched him and yeah, he, and yeah he used to do how to play dungeons and dragons videos too with animated shorts and stuff that a lot of people loved um so that's how i've been following this whole time and then when he talked about doing Cloudbreaker alliance which to me was like final fantasy tabletop role-playing game it almost, looks is like what it, it, what yeah. it feels like to me and you, because I could play an Oni, or there's all these different um, uh, heritages that they have and stuff, and these. And I just like the idea that it's the artwork looks really good. He's putting a lot of effort and work into it. He's going to release all the stuff on with YouTube videos backing it up. Um, and the very first YouTube video shows a lot about it. And then he just talks about the magic system. Real, he hasn't shown the playtest rules for the magic system yet. But the magic affinity system looks to be really cool and something that we haven't seen a lot in tabletop role-playing games. We have a lot of Vancean magic. 
We've had very little, slots, yeah. a few point magic stuff here and there, but not like very mana much. points. I've, yeah, yeah. I've been waiting to see somebody that breaks out of the Vancian kind of mold of magic, and yeah. I feel like this might be one of those anime styled in in that way, anime fantasy style in that way. Um, but I think it's really cool. I'm I'm gonna try next. I'm gonna try to make a, a character that has magic abilities. Because obviously when you make a character that's maybe a fighting character, you can go through and do that in about 35 minutes. But we all know that when you make a character that has spells to select or something, that usually makes your character creation take a little longer because now you're yeah. just one more piece to add to your character. So I'm going to see how that works as my second character. Character sheet worked really well. He provides all those. Um, I'm, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to offer feedback and I'm going to follow it nonstop because it's just one of those ones that... Like CJ is a great guy, and I, I couldn't think of a better person to put together a role-playing game. And then the way he thinks, the way he goes through things yeah. is very you know, methodical, and he has reasons for all the choices he's making and stuff. So it's just one that I'm excited to follow and will always bring some news to the show about um, Clawbreaker Alliance. So go to his channel if you want to know anything. Just type in Don't Stop Thinking in YouTube, and it'll bring him right up, and then you'll see his latest video out is about the playtest and what's going on with Clawbreaker Alliance. Yeah. See if you like it. No, yeah, I'm. I mean, it's it's on our watch list, so I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, Pathfinder news. Pathfinder news. So I saw just a couple of things. Um, Lost Omens Firebrands book is out. So this is a book they put out that has to do a lot with, I guess, rebellion, which makes sense because they were they were raising the flag during the the old OGL debacle. They were on top of. Um, promoting their Pathfinder during that whole process when everybody was uh, down on D&D. And so apparently Firebrands is about revolution and about, you know, um, fighting the oppressors and all the types of characters. And they call it their inner seas, you know, the inner seas. I always think it's funny because Dungeons and Dragons has like the Sword Coast. Pathfinder has the inner seas, as they always reference it. So okay. it's... Um, character options, ways to play them in your campaign. It is a group. It's like an... Uh, uh, Maybe I guess maybe like a Harper's would be an equivalent, maybe something like that. Faction. Um, Every game has factions. Faction (laughs) that you can bring in, um, which I thought was interesting. So that is out now. They have a hardcover, both hardcover books, one with a special edition book um, cover and then the uh, the normal one. The other thing I saw that was interesting is they partnered with BKOM or BCOM, um, which is a a company, a, a computer game company they released some stuff on steam that they're going to partner to do two games and these are kind of like those um adventure story games so i wonder if that's what we'll get from this but they're they've the only announcement they gave us was they're partnered they're going to do two games one comes out this year on steam one is just now entering development is is later on but we'll hear more about those games what they are what the names of them are and they are based on pathfinder properties so we'll have to see what they are and i think that'll be interesting we should be hearing about that soon in fact probably at PaizoCon is when we might hear some stuff online and that's may 26th through may 29th okay. if anybody's going to be participating in the PaizoCon online so i thought is that and that's the just things online? i saw do they have an yeah, actual the okay. online convention i would thought yep. they were to have something but that's cool uh yeah. awesome PaizoCon fantastic so um if you're not doing anything in that may and that's like memorial day weekend right if it's at the end so. of the month probably yeah. it's got to be close to it um so. i would like them to do a video game 
to break out of the isometric and actually do like a story game, um, like a point and click adventure story game using I think Pathfinder. That's what they're doing. Is that what it is? Because that would be really I interesting think so. to me. Okay. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been playing uh, Thimbleweed Park, which is a point and click adventure game and remembering my love of them from the, the early <laughs> 90s. Um. Game wise, uh, my house what did Jordan is just play? Yeah. destroyed, so I haven't been able to do much. Uh, and actually, we can't play DCC this weekend, and I'm sad. Purple Planet will have to take a vacation because I gotta work on my life. And actually, I got a lot of video mm-hmm. stuff I want to try and do yes tomorrow. So, um, but we did play our Black Company game. Uh, we infiltrate. This is my five E game with DM Nathan that he's running, and we infiltrated. Mm-hmm. We we got to a city. And the city has a giant open pit to hell. And all these demons are spewing out. We have a way to close it, but we don't really have a way of getting in amongst the hordes of devils and demons that are there. So we're trying to figure out how to get close enough to close it without basically making a suicide mission slash not being successful and also dying. Um, But nearby, we found there was a volcano. So we were wondering if we could set the volcano to go off to like basically destroy the city but get the demons to run out and then we could like run in and close the portal that was kind of the idea but we found out that this volcano is actually a home base to a larger problem probably the people that are instigating the actual portal to hell and things like that and while we were investigating um a mind flare teleported in and lots of and, and you know action economy i'm like okay it's just a single mind flare like they're spooky but i think we can take it and uh, I don't know what level this was. I kind of want to ask, but at the same time, it's kind of exciting that you don't know. He had legendary actions, so there was a lot of that. But uh, we positioned ourselves just right that only a few of us got mind blasted and things and what have you. But it was a lot of taking the fighter down because of uh, stunned with mind blast and then all this other things. And this Illithid is casting spells left and right. Um, he ended up raising his uh finger and he did like finger of death i'm pretty sure and it insta killed our gnome who just like and i was like and so i ran in and grabbed the stunned uh fighter and used my cloak of teleportation to like teleport bamf him out basically so that he could like be far enough away from the illithid that maybe he could like roll a saving throw and actually like snap out of it uh and so we did a lot of that we Nathan has a habit of when monsters, when bosses like this are about to die, they run and they teleport away. So he cast teleport to get out of there. We tried to counterspell it, but we failed. And I'm like, I just want to kill these guys. And he makes it so frustrating. <laughs> but in all honesty, like as frustrating, as frustrated as I am, we need to just come up with a plan to prevent him from teleporting in the future. Now that we know we can do it. But the last game mm-hmm. we ran, um, I refused to take counterspell cause I didn't like it. And the entire party was upset with me because every time somebody would teleport we away, they're like, you could counter it. And I'm like, yeah, I just hate counterspell. I wish there was a better way to do it. <laughs> so I think my, my character, I want to try and create like an anti-magic bubble that I can like attach to them so that they can't get away. I think that would be a lot of fun. So I'm going to talk to him about making magic items because I'm an artificer. So, and then uh, at the very end, I ran up and cast uh, revivify on our, our poor gnome so he is survived but it was like you're you're dead like yeah and power word kill and lots of lots of scary spells 
Uh, other than that, I've been reading my Dying Earth box set and having a lot of fun. And I'm taking lots of notes because it is very different from regular GCC. And I'm going to do a, a, a spotlight video and then a bunch of other videos, I think, on the Jocular Junction channel where I'm just like, Here how, here's how a magician plays differently from a wizard. So that's my plan for that. But yeah, how's Dungeon of the Mad Mage? Very cool. We are fighting two Illithids at the same time. <laughs> Always got to one up me. They they are definitely trying to mind blast our crew, but our crew seems to have powers against that. That our rolls have been pretty good, our saves have been pretty good. Um, so we're we're uniquely equipped to go after these. Now we are pretty high level at this point, so who wouldn't be at you know sixteen, seventeen level, um, or fifteen or sixteen? Yeah, I think it's sixteen at this point. So it's kind of crazy. And we fought. Do you, I bet Jordan knows this as a Forgotten Realms um, aficionado. aficionado. <laughs> what happens to a tadpole if it's left alone and doesn't attach to a host and eats all the other tadpoles and becomes something? Oh, a mind flare tadpole. <laughs> but it becomes a, a purple. Uh, yeah, it's worm? a giant. It's a giant, like, worm dragon-looking thing, yeah. Um, that we fought, too. Yeah. <laughs> we fought one of those. Um, so we're getting into all of the Illithids. And then, right at the end of the session, we had the big booming voice in our head that said, uh, you guys are pretty powerful. I am also pretty powerful. If we go head-to-head, -head, we're probably going to destroy each other. Are you sure you really want to do this <laughs> kind of thing? So it was like this this standoff of it. And it was like this offer of if you leave me alone, I'll leave you guys alone. But my crew is like, we're not leaving no illithid alive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're on full, full clean out this colony in the dungeon of the mad mage. Um so we're excited to go illithid hunting. Oh yeah, the, so the... this is like Xeno hunting in aliens. This yeah. is like you have to burn them all, you have to get them off the ship. You can't leave one alive because there's no way. Even one starts the whole problem again, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, nope. We're, so it's going to be interesting to go through and see how powerful this thing is. It seems like it's pretty powerful, whatever thing we're coming up against. So we fought two of them that are probably the normal Ill Illithids. But I am sure there are more and more powerful ones as we go that have more and more powerful um, abilities. We do have a NPC Gith Zarai with us, which is cool. He's kind okay. of like a monk that's the south which is cool so we're getting to see some of the gith zarai um, abilities there is a group of gith yankee that we can try to call on also to to assault this colony so that may happen too where we have we have an alliance or a, at least a um common enemy that we can come to together and try to defeat um so maybe we'll have a nice gith yankee war band going in with us too which could be really fun so it's heating up in the dungeon of the Mad Mage. It surprises me how. I wonder if Halister has kind of come up in certain levels and interacted with us, right? And yeah. in most of it, it's been like, ha ha ha, welcome to my fun house. Uh, look at all the funny stuff you're doing and look how you fell for this. But I wonder, we haven't seen or heard from him in a while. And I wonder just at what point does Halister let an illithid colony in his dungeon right or his area what about his apprentices we've seen a couple of them but we haven't seen all of them yet what are they doing we're st we're getting that low down we did go to the star dock there was no spell jammer there but 
it was in the tier of saloon. So I can say I've had a character who's adventured on one of the tiers of saloon, which I think is a great thing that will stick with us forever. Um, it was a crash. So it's where the Gith Yankee are raising um, their young. Because did you know in the Astral Sea, you do not age? So yeah. you can't have kids in the Astral Sea. Well, when you have kids, you have to go back to the Prime Material Plane so that they can <laughs> so get that's old what enough. Doing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's we. That's where we've entered. And then when you become and an adult also... as a Gith, as a Gith, when you become an adult, you have to go out and kill a Mind Flayer and bring back the Mind Flayer's head, and then you're allowed to go into the Astral Sea. Yeah. <laughs> the guy we're dealing with has a Mind Flayer head on his belt. There you go. For one. So there you go. So all this is coming. And here's one other cool little tidbit that we're all learning is that they are they have a pact and they raise red dragons oh and they are allowed to use and the red dragons work with them and are used as mounts and stuff up into a certain age but then once the red dragon reaches a certain age that red dragon gets to choose to be released or go do whatever it wants and apparently that's a deal they struck with the queen herself the queen of dragons oh the queen of dragons okay yeah so i thought that was kind of an interesting thing that i didn't know lore wise either so yeah you know with with the new with planescape coming out and stuff and and the talk of vecna from the D &D direct and the talk of the obsidian obelisks and stuff we're gonna like it's i wonder how how much we'll be able to look back on these older adventures and really see how interconnected Mm -hmm. things were it's kind of cool yeah so the monster Mm -hmm. you were thinking of is the neothalid which is the giant Uh, so if an elder brain is killed, all of the tadpoles are free of the elder brain's will and they start devouring mm-hmm. each other till there's one left. And that last tadpole grows into this giant gargantuan aberration worm. And they're not intelligent, uh, but they're just like hungry and stuff. And so, uh, it's, it's interesting because you need the tadpoles to create mind flares so that this is how they reproduce, but this is a, a tadpole that wasn't implanted in a, a host. Yeah, uh, like a feral one. Yeah, yeah, so it just like got loose and got big and is weird. Um, and apparently, I was just reading this now, mind flares can't detect them because of their low intelligence mm-hmm. and the fact that they're tadpoles and they're like partly psionic. So mind flares fear them. Like they're not used as weapons and they actually kill uh tadpoles that get too big while they're Brilliant. like working them and stuff kind of cool i wish i knew that now yeah <laughs> kind of interesting we had to kill it <laughs> well there we i don't know if you could tame it but that's kind of cool so um i i want i need to run a mind flare game and like I've, i want to i want to use a i want to use an elder brain and actually fight people with an elder brain and stuff i think i think kind of cool. i think that's where we're headed yeah probably so i also think halaster uh, doesn't allow it's not like he allows things or he just likes chaos. I should say that. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, my uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage or Dungeon of the Mad Mage, my uh, great Modron March people. Uh, there's actually a section of the March where the Modrons go into a portal to take a shortcut through Dungeon of the Mad Mage, like through uh, Halaster's mm-hmm. uh, dungeon and then go through another portal that takes them back over there. And I think you said you've ran into Modrons, right? I've ran into a Modron that was doing a circle around a statue that turned things into stone. Yeah. So I wonder Third if level. 
but like Modrons have popped up a lot in uh, mm-hmm. these adventures with uh, that Wizards of yeah. the Coast put out for fifth edition. And so part of me wonders too if we're going to see a, a revival of the Great Modron March with Planescape, and they're going to bring that into a lot of the the aspects oh, of good. of like oh this is why you're finding these Modrons here and there. Um, yeah. So we'll see. There were some in Tomb of Annihilation, too, yep. as I recall. We yeah. fought some Modrons. Out of there. the Abyss, there's Modrons. They're always like rogue mm-hmm. Modrons that got lost somehow on the Great mm-hmm. March, but they reference the Great March a lot. So, But there, there is specifically on the Great March, there is a path that goes through the through Dungeon. Where. Yeah. Is it the third level, Bert? Bert? Or, yeah, I wonder. So That's interesting. At least in Everything. older second edition material. I haven't read through Dungeon of the Mad Mage specifically, but... Uh, yeah, got lots of videos to make, lots of lore stuff coming up. Um, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. I gotta go pick up my kid from you know right. hanging out with play people who are watching them, so I can podcast. Uh, you can follow us on social media. You can check out. I don't post to it often, but there is a Saturday at Saturday RPG, which is our uh, Saturday RPG show Twitter. Um. Mm-hmm. Good to see everybody in chat. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Ed Greenwood has a YouTube channel. If you haven't checked out, he actually contacted me. What? And we're going to do something together, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Oh, nice. um, you should definitely check out uh, his channel. And we'll be back next week, I think. Hopefully, I'll have a more finished basement. We'll see. <laughs> but thanks so much for watching, guys. We'll see, um, we'll see you everybody. next time on Saturday Morning RPG Show. Take care.